the BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. Hello, I'm Ken Crowther and this is the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. Don't forget you can subscribe to this podcast on BBC Sounds. This week, Tom Cole from Riddle University College is my special guest, taking your calls on everything from apple trees, magnolias and lawns. We've also got some top tips on things you could be getting on with in the garden, plus our plant of the week. We go straight to your calls now and this week we start with Bob from Hockley. Hello, Ken. What can we do for you, uh, sir? Uh, well, I have, I've got an Ace of Palmatum, which I've had in a barrel, half barrel, for about 20 years. And where I've moved to Hockley, it's too windy for it, and I get wind burn every year. So I'm going to plant it in the garden. And it's going to be a problem getting it out of the barrel, but once it's out, I'm wondering if I can trim back any of the roots, because it's going to be very pot-bound. Well, I, def- I would definitely actually open it up um, and pull out some of those major roots just to loose yeah. them a little and um you you could do i mean I, all i would do is actually just loosen the roots if anything and any that are damaged i'd cut back uh, and yeah. then just make sure the hole that it's going into is you know much much bigger than the root ball itself and, yeah. and you should be fine and overly and obviously not overly put it in too deep it really needs to be just a little a fraction deeper than where it was sitting in a pot Okay, all right. It's, it's about a metre high and four foot across, so it's mm. got a, a massive root structure, and it hasn't been out of the barrel in 20 years plus. But it gets so burnt now on this corner of the bungalow that it's a shame, you know, so I'm going to put it in a shaded area. Which yeah, that's, is, a good, um, that's a good idea. And is it one that really turns brilliant colour in the autumn? Yes, it, it looks very nice. It's uh, it's a dissectum. It's the green leaf with the uh, with the little tussly leaves. Lovely, I mean, you know, I think we... It's such this, a great plant, aren't That they? garden I was talking about doing the turfing in, they have got on that. In fact, I mean, if it hadn't rained, I would have remembered to take a picture because it's the same thing. Aces at this time of year are just a joy. And if the sun glints on them, don't they look fantastic, Bob? Brilliant. It's brilliant. I've got a lovely red one on the patio, which is, uh, well, it's as scarlet as you can imagine. It's gorgeous. What I, what I would do in the spring, Bob, is to maybe use a general purpose feed, uh, yeah. just to just to invigorate it. Uh, so around about mid March onwards, uh, either either apply actually a liquid feed if it's in leaf. Yeah. If it's not in leaf, then just use something like a fish blood and bone uh, at something like thirty five to fifty grams a square meter and just work it in. Okay. Into the soil, yeah. Yeah, okay, it's just mate, into the... Thank you very much. That's all right, Bob. And Bob has given us a call on 0800 111 That's the number to call. That's 0800 111 You can't all be out in the garden. In fact, if you're out in the garden, you can hear us live. And in fact, I don't know whether you've put the app on your phone yet, but I have, and it's, of course, BBC Sounds, which is the new way of getting hold of absolutely everything you want to hear. You can listen to this programme live from BBC Sounds and you can grab the podcasts as well off there of the programme as well. So that's BBC Sounds. Um, There's also some of the podcasts. They've got music mixes and all sorts of things going on there. So it's quite an interesting... I don't know if they're trying to compete with some of those other stations and things that are out there because you've got Spotify and all those other Sounds marvellous. But it is. It's a pretty good thing to look at. So get it... Get the app on your phone or your or your or, or your, your your computer, and you can pick us up wherever you are, and you can look at us. Talking of which, I live in Wexford, Ireland. Not me personally. This isn't. This is Luke Boyland, and he says, "Listen to your podcast every week. Most weeks, I can download your podcast, but last week and on other occasions in the past, I couldn't because it's marked only allowed in the UK. Well, whether you can use this one outside the UK, I'm sure you can." Uh, could you ask the boffins at the BBC to stop this happening so that I can listen to your podcast every week? And this is the nice bit, which I wanted to read. You are there for us gardeners all year round, unlike the TV programmes which have put their gardens to bed for the winter. Thank you for your advice, which is always clear, concise, and most importantly, current. So that's Luke. So they are. Thank you, Luke. It's really nice of you to, to, to comment from Ireland. That really is excellent. So that is what we want to hear. 
we like to hear things. Just uh, while I'm looking at emails, we'll quickly nip into Margaret Turner, who has sent us that picture of how do you pronounce it? I call it Kalinkoe or Kalanchio. Kalanchio, Kalanchoe, Flaming Katie, they're all the same. And it's an indoor plant. Actually, that's succulent. Cr- that, it's a little succulent plant. Yeah, and it's actually, it's got very heavy crowns there, hasn't it? Very heavy crowns indeed. And we should say it's a prolific flower. It is. Key points in the year. Really bright colours. If you love your reds and your oranges and your pinks, that's, that's ide- a plant for you. It's ideal, isn't it? Oh, 800 um, and I think this was a, a conifer that was having trouble, which I commented on the other day. Thank you for your reply. I think you did explain myself very well. The dead conifer I have had to take out already is slowly went brown over two years. Conifers, they do have a lifespan, don't they? I mean, this, this conifer of um, Jay Sayer uh, was actually in the garden. It's been in there for years and years. And the, what he's saying is now shedding lots of brown segments. And can I stop it dying? Well, well not really. You know, it's, it, these things happen. So here's a decision then, isn't there? You're at a crossroads now. Do I just have a look at it and just keep it growing there? Or, you know, this is a perfect time to rip it out. And plant some new. And reinvigorate that ground and put something brand new in. And you do have to invigorate ground, don't you, if you're you're doing so? They aren't Jace. Even in the previous, even in the previous place I I worked out, we had wonderful conifer beds, dwarf conifers. Hey ho, dwarf conifers. Dwarf conifers can get to 15, 20 foot, guys. They don't have to be very, very small, but they take a long time to get there. And actually, there's a point where it becomes past its best. Things are dying off in the past middle. It's, 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 it's not really good. So <laughs> I think I was there when I get, I, um, I think I was probably at that place for about 15 or so. Yeah, about 10, 15 years in, really. We reinvigorated the whole garden area. So we took the whole of the, all those dwarf conifers out. And started again. Put something brand new in. That you, they were planted in the era of Adrian Bloom's first first time he actually started to put books together. Yeah? With planting up in um, up at uh, Bressingham. Uh, just a, a, a bit on the back of this, before we go to Jean in Chelmsford. She's given us a call on 0800 111 4041. Uh, this, uh, Jay Sayer, has also said, Fuchsia gallmite disease affecting lots of fuchsias this year. I have lots of... Uh, f- lots of fuchsias uh, and about a third were affected why is why i asked to prune the back two-thirds plant now will it will it affect other plants i mean you can cut them back they reckon that it might help if you use um use what what is it? it's the scots one the scots one that you use on them but Quite honestly, it's a difficult one. And You're the talking RH- about a systemic insecticide. Systemic insecticide. Yeah. And the RHS recommendation is clear the beds and yeah, throw them it's, away. It's, it's clear them, uh, d- destroy plants. But I've, I recommend cutting down. And actually, sometimes the growth comes up. It's never, it's, it's not wonderful. Mm. Chuck them away. Yeah. Start, start again. again. New plant. 0800 111 Jean, I promised to come to you from Chelmsford. Hello, Jean. Good morning. Pruning apple trees. Yep. How early can I start in the winter? <laughs> well, isn't it? Last year we had very snow in December and we had the beast from the east. Can yep. I start now in November? Well, it's, inter- it's an interesting one because uh, most people prune. There's a lot of pruning done in the summer now against mm-hmm. in the winter, Tom, isn't there? Now, what's the re- just, just for people listening, why would you prune in the summer and not the winter? Uh, summer, uh, well, there's lots of reasons for pruning in the summer. It could be that you're looking at just uh, reducing vigour, uh, which you won't see until the following uh, year as much. Uh, it could be about fruit quality. Usually it's about fruit quality and enhancing the ripening process. So it's thinning, opening up. Opening up to allow uh, fungal spores not to settle so much. So it's about increasing airflow. But I would actually say lots of people still do pruning in the, in the winter, winter months now, because that's do, more structural. So okay, so apple trees at the moment, as Jean's saying, have, a lot of them have still got most of their leaves on, haven't they, Jean? Uh, well, mine have lost at least fifty percent of theirs yeah. at the moment. Okay, I reckon they'll be off in a few weeks' time. So if you can wait for the, all the leaves to is fall that, off, is that that important <clears throat> today? Because it means that the sap is still rising a little bit, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, and it means you can still get growth. Uh, so I tend to uh, say mid-November to late November through to just before bud burst in the spring, that's your window of opportunity to prune those so what, apples and what, pears. Whilst they've still got leaves on, there's still sap then, so... It's still growing, so I would actually just leave them. 
until they've lost all their leaves and then do my pruning. Right, okay. Because they're not your normal modern small trees. They're 70-year-old trees, so they're big. Yeah, yeah. But I'll, I'll wait till the leaf comes off. Hopefully we can have a good, a good wind come through yeah. and take them all off for me in one there go. Is, the, only, the only danger, I think, of winter pruning is if you're too harsh on your trees... You get a lot of ec- too much extra yeah. growth the next year. Well, the, the thoughts are now it's just shaping. It shaping, really is much more, isn't it's it? It's just taking any suckers out from the base. It's about dead, uh, diseased and damaged growth. You always take those out. And if you've it's got... It's not hard pruning. And if you've got a lot of this soft growth from last year, it's worth cleaning that off tight into the stems. Does that right. help you, Jean? If I took off diseased and damaged, I don't think much tree because they're full of canker now. Well, the canker, if you've got canker in an old tree, you live with it, and where it dies completely, you remove it. But it's imp- important you clean your secateurs with a spirit if you move from that tree to another tree. Yeah, that's, that's good advice. Okay. Right. Okay, thank you very much. That's a pleasure, Jean. And now for Plant of the Week, Nifophia, sometimes known as Red Hot Poker. You see them everywhere. It was first described in the UK as early as 1794. And yes, it's another plant named after a German plantsman, John Nifoff. Oh, there you are. That's where you get Nifofola from. Uh, so what is it? Well, it's a native of Africa, actually. Has narrow grass-like leaves. It's an evergreen. There is an evergreen. There's deciduous and evergreen the deciduous you remove all the leaf in the winter the evergreens obviously stay evergreen you just pull away the debris of the old leaves at the base of the plant some of the varieties some of the ones particularly in africa the leaves are five foot long not ideal for the average garden so in fact you want to um in today's world we've got some very compact species that we can put in our gardens they vary from red, orange and yellow. The flowers um, produce a copious amount of nectar, so they're great for bees. And in fact, in foreign parts, they're good for hummingbirds, but we, um, we don't have those here, do we? Another plant um, that's worth having in your garden, because this year particularly, it's flowered several times, and in fact, you see them in flower right now across the county and beyond. They like, in theory rich soil they like it well drained and they like it sunny worth deadheading because if not the energy goes back into trying to produce um, seed rather than trying to produce um, a good flower and a good plant you can divide them every four or five years um, but don't bury the crown they're a bit like a rhubarb you mustn't bury that crown under the ground you keep it above um, in the driving around you know i've even seen them on the sides of motorways growing you think i wonder how the dickens they got there but they're all in flower again they're looking great a good addition add a bit of fiery bright power to your garden go out and get a nifophia or if you want to call it the common name Red Hot Poker. Tom from Chelmsford. Hello, Tom from Chelmsford. Oh, yes, good morning. Enjo- enjoying the show this morning. Good. How can um, we help? A question about uh, lawn care. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, uh, my partner um, used uh, an unsafe lawn weed killer uh, earlier in the year on our lawn. So we've had a bit of a patchy lawn for a while. Wondering if now's a good time to um, try and, and reseed the lawn and get it looking green again. I think the, yeah. good, the good thing today, Tom, is that weed killers that we're using today uh, do not stay in the soil. And that is the most important thing. Whereas weed uh, killers of the past, unless she's used a path weed killer, she hasn't, has she? I, I think it was a path weed killer because we, we, we struggle a bit with um, weeds growing in between our paving slabs, unfortunately. I wonder whether... Because path weed killer contains other stuff, doesn't it, Tom? Yeah, well, it was... Um, sorry, I've got two but, Toms. But it's got, got, a, to- it's got a total weed oh, killer sorry, in there. I thought that was... Yeah, yeah that's what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, I'm afraid there's two of us, Toms. Tom and Tom. You see, if it was a path weed killer, it could have some total weed killer in it. Yeah. Uh, now, how you wouldn't know unless you 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 haven't a clue what it which variety, which product it was. Uh, unfortunately, not only that it was in a, in a spray bottle. Unfortunately, we're not we're not the the, the keenest of gardeners, which is why we've tried to get right. into shows like this. To Do you know, I don't this. think 
I don't think Pathcare comes in a spray bottle, does it? It's diluted and you put it on, don't you? You can get a sachet, oh, I believe. Yeah. Right, oh, okay. well, look, then, let's, then we'll cover... I'll tell you what, Tom, for you, we will cover both options. Let's look at okay. the total first. What would you do with a t- if it was total? Uh, if it was a total? Uh, in other words, a pathway killer. What, would I, what sort of chemical what, would I use? Yeah, no, 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 no. It's been put on. It's damaged the lawn. Well, it's done. It's dusted. You've yeah. now got to basically rake up all of the old... Uh, dead, dying areas. So would okay. you skim it? Prick over the soil. This is what I would do. Prick over the soil. And then I'd produce a seed bed. And then I'm not so sure about seed sowing at the moment. I don't think it, if it... if if Today's great. It's warmish. I'd think, still risk it because it's cheap. It's, it is cheap, yeah. So, yeah, you could, you could overseed those areas. Tr- mm. You're trying to match what you've got already. And I pres- I'm, I'm, don't want to presume, but if you've got a utility lawn, you want to go for something that's hard wearing. So go for any seed product that's got rye grass in as a main seed and follow the instructions on that quite carefully. Broadcast over the patches. You might want to uh, cover, water in, and you could do that all over parts of your lawn. Is it patches or is it the whole lawn? It's patches. Yeah. Um, I'm suspicious that she's she's put on, uh, or the your partner has put on, I reckon, something like a Roundup product, it sounds like to me, does it? Right, that's, okay. They're the sort, now, and then it would work perfectly with what Tom's yeah. done. Now, if you'd put a path clear then probably what you've got there is uh it's a total weed killer and it's got a residual weed killer in it which is a problem and the residual basically forms a layer on the surface it's been applied to so it stops anything from germinating going through it so that that could actually impact on your seed but i try the first the method that tom tom here in the studio has given you yeah i i would overseed and it has been cold. It's it's when you get erratic temperatures, germination's not so good. But as Ken's saying, seed is really cheap these days, so it's just worth it's worth it's doing. Worth it. I think it's worth doing it now, really, because you'll get and, growth and within three or four or five days. And All a right. firm metal rake to rake that. Sorry, uh, like a firm metal rake, hand rake would, would rake that up. Okay, no, no spring. Um, spring I would rake. actually, if you've got a springtime rake. Yeah, we were actually we're in the car park of Hyde Hall, so I'll take a look in the in the gift shop. Um, uh, uh, I think they might have one actually. Yes. Uh, yes. So you want a springtime rake, so you can basically fluff up the soil, and at the same okay. time you drag off any debris that's on the surface. And oh, then right. if if the patches aren't very big, if they say like dinner plate size patches with with your hand, you can mm. then move that soil around, pat it down, and then apply your grass seed. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much. Enjoy yourself at Hyde Hall as well. Lovely Have you place. been around the garden yet or not? Um, no, we're, we're literally in the car park. So they've got a wood fest on. So we'll have a look at that. And then we'll head up, up top to the gardens. Yes, great garden. Don't forget the winter garden. Brilliant. <laughs> yes, yes. We'll okay, thank you very much indeed, Tom. Thank uh, you very much. And let us, let us know how you get on because we'd like to hear whether it's which we kill them. We'd know by the result uh, completely, wouldn't we? Don't forget, you can give us a call on 0800 111 That's 0800 111 I mean, it can, uh, it can be a minefield, can't it, with, with weed killers? I think you have to be very careful. Just read that packet really carefully. Yeah, and, of course, they... <sighs> Are they colour coded? I'm just trying to think whether they're colour coded, the bottles. They vary from company to company. But what you could do, I know somebody I remember years ago said that, you know, they went to their shed, they pulled out the one that had yellow on it, yellow top, right? Thinking it was a ready to use insecticide, went round and actually had Roundup in it. No. And you think, you think, no, it's, but they, why can't they all get together and have <laughs> yellow for this, pink for that, red for that? Forget the colours, just read the, the, the instructions. Read, read the instructions. Just very, keep, on read, keep on reading them. Very important indeed. Um, and we've had a text in. Text come in on 81333 with Essex on the front. And uh, this says, I was advised to cut a privet hedge. Uh, to the ground by another BBC Garden show because these fairly new plants had grown up thin and spindly. However, after cutting them down to a hundred millimeter, hundred mill, what's hundred millimeter? Oh, you're better on that. Than, what? No, what's it in inches? Come on, give me an inch. Oh, on four inches. Four inches, right? Uh, above the ground, they all died immediately. Do you have a <laughs> That's very. Why this happened, even after being told it would do no harm and create a thick, dense hedge? Well, in well, theory, 
In theory, the, the other BBC programme gave the right information. Depends when you did it, whether you watered them, whether it was winter, summer or whenever it was. Yeah. You can't tell, can you? I mean, things are quite spindly. I tend to be a little bit cautious, particularly a younger plant like that. Although it is a vigorous plant, the privet. You know, half. Always go for half. I wouldn't have cut it that no, low. No, half. But even cutting that low, it should have responded in a more positive way. Uh, but cutting things by half would actually encourage it to bush out more. And people don't do that to any hedging, do they? No, it's, They're I, scared to. Personally, I like it where you build the hedge up in stages Layers. so you get a much thicker plant. Mm. Uh, and the, there's one key plant I don't do that to. And that's if I'm using a hedge of, say, chamois Paris, the Lawson Cypress, yep. t- I tend to find that if I cut it slightly lower than ultimately where it needs to be, it usually hovers about that height. It doesn't <laughs> tend to get to where it wants to be. So I do allow it to get to the height, and then I cut the top off. Now, we did have a, 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 an email from uh, about a Lawson hedge, uh, and in fact, it was totally brown. And in fact, Lawson, again, uh, if you're listening, this, this email came in a couple of weeks ago, and they'd cut it. It looks like it's been cut really hard in, because there's green growth on the top, and there's a bit of green growth pushing through. And it's a Lawson, it's a... Sh- Chamisa Paris, Paris Lawsonia. Lawsonia. <laughs> and it's a green one. It's either okay. that or Thuya. That's, they were the two, but neither will take... I mean, Thuya will take Thuya it a bit will. more. Thuya will. Chamisa yeah. Paris is a bit more, less intolerant. This has been cut really hard, and it's totally brown. Um, and people don't understand that conifers, you can't really be really harsh to. A Lalandi is an example. Yeah. Just never grows again, does it? I would say there are a few exceptions. Things like the yew is a really good one. I mean, t- I tell you, that plant is very robust. You can cut quite hard. I know a couple of friends who do topiary for a business, and they buy in plants that are all sort of raggedy and not not particularly good. And you're thinking, what are they going to make out of this? What sort of shape? And they literally raise it to the ground. Bing! In the spring, it all comes up again. I went to a, a, a house and garden in Northamptonshire, and I couldn't believe she had uh, cut these. They were they were these <laughs> tall yew trees, and they were about eight foot high. And they'd cut them into about five separate branches, and they'd pulled them in at the top, so that they'll produce a lovely cone. And they'd all started to yeah. to sprout. Yeah. It was un- incredible. And pulling them in stresses and it causes more growth to yeah. occur. It's a little bit like festooning. So you does work. That number to call is 0800 111 Uh You can't all be listening on BBC Sounds, I'm sure. Uh, although, of course, you can listen live on BBC Sounds. <laughs> And you can catch the podcast <laughs> this afternoon on BBC Sounds as well. That's the new app. The BBC app that you can pop onto your phone. You haven't got it on I'm your gonna phone I'm going to have to yet. get it now, aren't yeah, I? Yeah, you have to get it, BBC Tom. BBC Sounds. Yes, right. BBC Sounds. You've got to put it on your phone. Um, right, let's go to uh, go to the emails. And, in fact, we have got a... Um, is this bracket fungus near his apple tree? Now, it's, it's a strange picture. And this has come from Derek Walls grave now Derek has sent us a picture of what looks like a piece of fungus it seems to be on the ground it's not on the tree itself and he just says is this bracket fungus my apple tree so I don't know whether he's do you think he's knocked it off his apple tree it doesn't look like it 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 doesn't look like a bracket fungus Uh, uh, it it looks like we're looking down onto the a degrading toadstool where it's been attacked on the outer edges Uh, so it's something's been nibbling all the way around the edge so a bracket fungus is more curved, and it and it will si- have a it will sit protruding from a bark or from the bark of a tree. Or they're or, impressive, or, or, actually, aren't yeah, they? Can be quite attractive, but you know they can also be um, disruptive. Disruptive. And in fact, there's a lot of fungus about because we've had a dry summer. And we've now the moisture has come in from morning dews and a little bit of rain. There's a lot of fungus about. There's some fascinating toadstools. Well, isn't colour anyway very, very good this year in the autumn? It's not just the toadstools, but what about all this fruit? There's fruit burgeoning. Burgeoning. Now, why, though? Because everybody will say, oh, it's going to be a cold winter. (laughs) That's rubbish, isn't it? It's actually because the plant's worried about dying through the drought. And it's actually trying to reproduce, surely. I think there's probably a sense in that, actually. And also, oh, oh, and, 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 uh, 
and, and, and I think also, you know, pollination was very good this year. Fertilization was very good this year. It was good, good weather conditions for those processes to occur. Bing, it comes in again. You get these lovely fruits coming through in, this, in the winter. Give us a call now. Tom Cole, Ken Crowther, talking gardening all the way through till 12 0800 111 Alan from Braintree, what would you like to talk about, Alan? Oh, hello there. Um, I planted a, a ruby rose in my, gar- in my back garden about two years ago. I want to move it from the back garden to the front garden. When is the best time to do it, please? I would wait until you get into the true dormant season, which is around about mid to late November through to uh, when just before when plants start to shoot again in the spring. So, so between mid to late November through to about the beginning of March, that's oh, right. your window where you can move it. Okay, and, thank and what you very much. And what you need to do, try and lift as much of the soil around the root zone as you possibly can. Oh, right. Okay, then. Yeah, that's lovely. And also, I've also got some other roses in my back garden. I don't know what they are, but uh, some are pretty tall. That's six foot, and others are a little bit shorter, but uh, they was here when I moved in. Yep. When's the best time to prune them, please? I would reduce them right now, wouldn't you, Tom? As soon as I finish flowering. As soon as I finish flowering. Cut them um, in half. You just wanted to bring them under control at the moment. Is that what you're looking for? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Go go for something like a third to a half off. Yeah, you get, always you get, yeah, t- always try and go to a bud. Find the bud on the stem and just cut just above it. Oh, right. Okay, then. Right. Thank you very much indeed. Okay. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you very much. Bye-bye. Okay. Now, I ju- I've just actually found the email, and I'm showing Tom. It's it's a hedge of many metres with a lady standing by it. Um, it's from Lee Chapel, isn't it? Lee Chapel. Now, that is a is a Lawson, isn't it? It's not. It is a Lawsoniana, isn't it? That's not Thuya. Right, it's not Thuya. Thuya's got a glossy leaf. It's got a flatter scale-like leaves. Yeah. And Chamois Paris has got a more matte finish, and the scales are slightly rounded and smaller. Yeah. The other difference is Chamois Paris smells like uh, some kind of uh, well-known floor cleaner that smells a bit like pine. Uh, and Thuya smells like pineapples, would you believe? Uh, this particular hedge, though, I wonder if that's been dying from one end to the next because it's just a big old brown patch and then we suddenly got lots and lots of green there's growth. a bit of green at the front end as well and there's, there's a, a bit of green in the middle yeah so it could there could be lots of things could really. be honey fungus uh well i was gonna say it could be well there is a potential it could be that but it could also be phytophthora which is a stem or crown rot which will be through wet conditions and it moves progressively yeah. along the line of your hedges it could be a pest called algids they all they look a little bit they act a little bit like aphids, actually, the green fly. They actually suck the sap out of the plant. But you would tend to get patches of those, not this massive. I mean, to give a bit of a scale, there's probably a good 20 foot of hedge that's basically died. Back to your gardening questions in a moment. But right now on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, we've got some top tips on things you could be getting on with in the garden this week. Tom. Well, for me, it's got to be uh, lifting and dividing all those perennials that have sort of past their best or outgrown areas or diseased in the centre. So not your grasses, not your wonderful things that got seed heads like Rudbeckias or Echinaceas, but things like uh, flocks, earlier flowering asters that have actually finished. Uh, they're, they're an iris yeah. as well, the bearded iris. I was going to say iris, yeah. particularly. So what I do is I lift them up with a fork, uh, shake off as much soil as I can so I can see the clump. And do you know what I do? I then use a knife to cut through some of my plants um, I just or get, even pull them apart i just get a spade and chop them up oh i don't do that again yeah it works <laughs> I, I don't I, I have done it with acanthus it's quite a thick rooted plant really but um trying to minimize damage where i'm possibly going to go there and discarding all the center parts that died off uh you can even compost those and then replant either in the same area where you've invigorated the soil again or to use it elsewhere in the garden so it's Perfect an time. ideal way to do that. And what's your second one? Then? Well, with all those perennials I've just lifted, what better than to take cuttings? Oh, yeah. But multiple cuttings, and you can select their roots. Oh, all root, so it's root cuttings. Root cuttings. Taking. All your perennials, you can actually take root cuttings from. So, for example, acanthus, which is bear's bridges, what you do is you wash off the soil so you can see the root system, cut close to the crown, nice flat cut across the root, come down around about two to three inches and then do a diagonal cut and that will that do is it'll actually make you remind you 
what's the bottom of the route and what's the top of the route? Because if you put them in the wrong way, they actually do not root so well. And I actually directly stick that into some cutting compost. So the cutting is flush with the compost and put grit on it, put it in the cold frame. Done. Let it do it. And only water it once it produces growth. Thank you, Tom. And we'll have more top tips for the next seven days later on in the podcast. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Let's talk to Dorian. Sorry to keep you waiting there, Dorian. That's all right. Good morning. Hi. Um, I'd like to some advice. I've got a bougainvillea. I bought it about 18 months ago. It was only about a foot tall. It's now five foot tall. But I bought it into the conservatory. It was in the garden um, through the summer. It didn't do very brilliantly in the garden. And since it's come in, it's dropped a lot of leaves. Now, is this normal, or is it, you know, something really wrong with it? It's quite tall. It's got brats on three um, shoots. Uh, and what, what, colour, what colour are they? What colour um, are the bracts? What colour are the bracts? They're mauve. Oh, lovely. Um, well, it is quite normal, actually. When you move something from the outside in, then the plant responds. And it's not uncommon for a plant such as a bougainvillea, the paper flower, to, to just shed its leaves. It doesn't, it's a it, shock. It, yeah, it, it really? is a shock thing. So the, the thing you don't want to do now is keep on watering at the same rate. Because oh, there's, there's nothing really to take it up as such. So don't let it sit in water. That means... but. Do do some watering, but just check. Put your finger into the soil. If it feels quite moist, then leave it alone. Yeah. Um, and then what will happen is it will start to reshoot even over the winter period. And okay. it, it potentially, if we get a good summery day, it may even still produce shoots that produce flowers over the winter yeah. period yeah. as well because it flowers on new growth. Yeah. Um, so it's five foot tall. Don't be afraid after flowering to reduce that plant by a third or even a half yeah, uh, because you'll get lots of new growth from it a big bare part in the middle like it's got these shoots on it that have got these brats on yeah but in between it's it's kind of lost these leaves and it's really bare yeah well I, doesn't I, matter, does it, it doesn't matter i think what i would i would do is i mean let it reshoot a little bit now in, over the next few weeks and then what you can do is you can reduce it to where those new shoots are and it means okay. then that forces even more growth out from the base. So before you know it, you'll have lots and lots of new growth all up and down the plant. Okay, thank you very much. That's, that's, a, right. that's a pleasure. You. And bye, bye. Doreen has given us a call from Langdon on 0800 111 Got an, I, an, an email. I said an email there, an didn't email. I? From Sylvia. Now, Sylvia has taken cuttings from a camellia. They have grown to approximately four foot tall. They are in their third year. That's good. She's done blooming well, isn't she? But they've no flowers. One then this bloomed. year has feathery white flowers on it. For three white flowers. Uh, the cuttings were taken from a pink camellia. Please advise me what to do to encourage flowers. I hope she's cut them out because she says they're four foot tall. There's a great danger that people grow things, isn't there, Tom? And they just let them grow up. I mean, it's back to the hedge thing, isn't it? It's the yeah. same as hedge. I mean, it depends hedges. how you want to grow them. I've seen some lovely ones grown against a wall. Oh, which you would let them grow up yeah. and then and train the bunch. They look absolutely lovely, actually. But, um, yeah, four foot tall, I'd probably want to... Well, the problem is, actually, if it is going to be flowering next year, it's actually producing those buds. It's produced them already. It will have done September, uh, so won't it? So I would think I would just sort of protect them from maybe toppling over or something over the winter period after flowering um you might want to do some pruning if you're not worried about the flowering you just want to get the size of the plant contained then take the tops out take out about a quarter to a third down to a good evergreen uh lovely rounded leaf and in the spring give it a good feed camellias would prefer to have something like a sequestrine based uh, feed an iron based feed so do that from mid-march onwards um, but again, if you haven't done that pruning, wait until it flowers and then it'll give, give it you, a go. Yeah, give it a go. Uh, another email from Margaret. And Margaret, that's because uh, I wasn't here last week. This is a week old. But could you please? I'm sure she's a regular re listener. Of course you are. I have an agapanthus growing in the ground in my garden. It is quite large. Last year I had a lovely lot of flowers on it, but none this year. Is it OK to leave it where it is or... Would it be better in a pot? 
Now, that's just because it didn't flower this year, because she's implying that it normally flowers. It just didn't this year. What do you, would you leave it alone? Because they don't like being disturbed, Agapanthus, do really, they? But to bring them into flowering, sometimes having them pot-bound in a container is quite a good way of going about it. That means you've got to deal with a pot again, though. I mean, it's, you know, I'm all for putting things in a plant in the ground, letting them get on with it. <laughs> I mean, it's been a really good year for Agapanthus, actually, has, I was going to say. Um, I would think <clears> it's been a, it's a, it's a blip for that particular plant. Do you think it, I mean... As long as they, it's lovely and sunny and it's got some well-drained conditions... That's right. ...then we're fine. Because, in fact, it would have even tolerated no water wouldn't it yeah so i don't really understand i think it's a blip margaret yeah. i really do the Leave same it, as Tom monitor says. it have a look and see what happens <clears throat> for next year so they are and robert uh, has sent is it too late to give a well-established 18 foot high magnolia tree a light prune uh say about four foot off all round well you're gonna magnolias you're gonna just you know you're gonna destroy it if you do that aren't you really? now we don't know what type it is <clears throat> so let's say it's a spring flowering magnolia which most are then i high would percentage. leave it yeah and then just enjoy those flowers unless you're really desperate and you want to bring the height if you want to bring the height down though I know, but you'd lose you lose the flower. Well, you lose the flower. I, I always think it's a shame to lose the flower, and it's not as if most magnolias, unless it's a grandiflora with with green leaf that's blocking light, mm. we haven't got a problem, have we? No. I mean, personally, I'd probably <clears> leave it to flower, and I would do some light trimming and shaping. Four foot off the top. Well, a yeah, I would. <laughs> I would do it. Uh, don't forget that you... But after flowering. Uh, you can give us a call on 0800 4041. That's 0800 4041. And the text number is 81333. That's 81333. That other magnolia, the magnolia, which are about an evergreen types, particularly the... Grandiflora. Grandiflora, which flowers on new growth. It does. And um, we've got those uh, against some residen re residential blocks at Rittle. And... Uh, the aim there really is to prune those straight after flowering, which is actually early autumn. I think we're on the edge of not being able to do that because it's been quite frosty. So I think we might have missed it this year. But ideally, cut things back in and it really controls the height and spread. But with that particular magnolia, it's still going to flower in that year. Well, we'll be back to your calls in just a little while. But right now on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, myself and Tom have got some more top tips for you. I'll tell you what, Tom, I've been amazed how much weed growth has suddenly appeared with that little... I know we've had a bit of frost, but with that warm spell and a little drop of rain and woof, up they come. They do, and they'll keep on doing that, especially at some of those annuals. It's worth hoeing them off straight away. Absolutely. And the other little thing that I do, I go through the borders with a trowel, and if I see some of the deep-rooted ones that have been perhaps had their heads chopped off and they've regrown like dandelions and thistles, I just dig down with a trowel annoy come out and then it's done isn't it, it you is. got to worry and you have done it, it and it's, it's not going to come back no, again won't come back again so my tip really is go through your borders right now because if we don't get across it now those weeds will mature as if we go into the winter and we don't want that we want Absolutely. to keep it clean you know and some of those animal an animals <laughs> annuals are actually ephemeral so that means they have multiple That's generations right. they so really keep will. on keep on in there What's your, what's your, uh, oh, you've got another well, tip for us. I know it's been frosty. We have had a frost. We had a we couple have, of frosts yeah. at Rittle. Um, and we're already starting to bring in some of those tender perennials. And you know what? That begonias are pretty good. They're quite tough little things. Mm. And the ones that were close to the building, they've enjoyed the heat. They've been okay. But we, unfortunately, were slightly remiss. And uh, we left others a little bit further out. And they've been absolutely cut down. Uh, butterflies. So those, I'm afraid, have gone to the big old compost tube in the sky. But these ones near the, the building, lift them up. We're going to knock off some of the soil uh, of the begonias, things like canna lilies, uh, even the dahlias now, where some of those dahlias have actually been cut down by half. We're take, I'm cutting down them again. I'm taking off the, off the soil as much as I can. And I just invert the crown so that any waters in that very hollow tube of the dahlia drains out and they don't tend to rot. I don't pot them up at all. They just go into trays on a bench. And look after And them. then we pop Till them up in the year. spring. Yeah. Sally from Noakbridge. Hello, Sally. What can we do for yourself? Hello, Ken. I'm ringing up about rhododendrons yep. in my daughter's garden who lives in West Sussex. And she has got a lovely garden. It's, and there's a great big bank of a wall 
of the wild-type rhododendron at the moment, yeah. not the hybrids. No. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to pass on my expertise to her, but I've stopped at the rhododendron. So when's the right time to do that type? Right. Tom, pruning rhododendrons and it's ponticum so i so mean it's the wild rhododendron well again you could wait we would, but it's I, got a lovely purple flower it is in fact yeah. still still one i i think it's a shame yeah. because it's on the list of uh, weeds isn't yeah. it as um the as rhs have put it on their list of weeds a non-native invasive non-native invasive yeah. but i tell you what i love it yeah i think and, it's fantastic and she enjoys that plant a lot then oh yes it's yeah. beautiful yeah it's, so I so at the moment it's budding up actually for next year's uh, flower display. So right. what I would tend to do is um, in wait for that bloom to occur, enjoy those blooms, and then what you can do afterwards is do some thinning out, do some uh, pruning if you need to, some uh, some some reduction in height, uh, that type yeah. of pruning then. But I wouldn't do it now because you're just going to lose so many yeah, I flowers thought so. yeah yeah um, unless it's not such an issue in certain aspects if it's not going to be such an issue not worried about losing some of those flowers then you could prune it so it's a matter of time of what you want yeah it's about what you want really really yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. The, the thing is, you can cut them literally as a hedge, can't you? I mean, you can you can be well. You can you could you could coppice them really, and that's cut them close to the ground. And I'll yeah. tell you what, you won't get rid of them. They'll they'll reshoot up from the base. They're incredible. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well worth, well, but worth doing because you'll get new growth and you'll get new flower. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Thank you for that. That's Thank okay. you. That's uh, Sally has given us a call on oh eight hundred triple one forty forty one. There's a line free now if uh, you'd like to give us a call and we can squeeze you in before twelve with no trouble at all. It's oh eight hundred triple one forty forty one eight one triple three. If you want to send us a message, put Essex on the front and we can deal with those as well. And we go to talking magnolias again with David from Brentwood, aren't we, David? Yep. Good morning, Ken. Good morning, Hi. Tom. Um, magnolias, my experience of magnolias is we had a very, very high, um, possibly 20, 25 foot high magnolia um, that was blocking a lot of light on the patio. So what we what we did do is one year we reduced it by about six foot. And in the spring, or it, and after it flowered, uh, that was done after it flowered. Uh, and then in, in the August, uh, later in the year, we, we cut back all the new growth that came. And then the following spring, we had a reasonable display of flower. And then we reduced it again after flowering by another four foot. And it now, the shape is absolutely perfect. Yeah, so it, it's, taking you t it's taking you time to do it, but you've done it in a good way, a very sort of uh, logical way, uh, and done yeah, it over time. Yeah, but if you do it straight away, I think you could just, you know, it's very difficult to, to get it to the shape you want. But yeah. given time, um, that, that little bit, if you give that, I'm a little, you know, let it do it that way, the, it, it retains everything you need, everything you want. You don't destroy everything straight away. No, that's true. And you've, got, you've also got a, rough, a roughly, a still a good shape every year as well. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. beautiful shape. Well, that's, that's really yeah. good. That's good advice. Thank, thank you very much for your call, David. Okay, Ken. All right, all the very best. Uh, now, it. Uh, my daughter has recently laid her lawn. In the past month, I've grown up around the edge of the lawn in wooden raised beds, and we did look at this. It actually looks like a celery leaf, doesn't it, Tom? It's coming on an email. It looks a bit like a celery leaf. We can't see the actual shape of the leaf totally because it hasn't been opened out, has it? But uh, the root gave it away. It's got this white little white root uh yeah. what do we think it is this well, is for sue hilton it's it's ground elder it looks like ground elder to me and it and the root is actually a shoot it's it's got creeping underground shoot systems it's got rhizomes and it, it's an an interesting plant uh the, the it used you know, to be herbal didn't well, it? well it, it, i think it is actually um it's it's one where if you just touch the base of where the leaf is coming off from that shoot it just snaps off uh, or if you pull out as much as you think you're going to pull out, you've still got remnants of that shoot left. And being a shoot with junctions on it, it's got all it needs to produce more roots and more shoots. It's a bit of a devil to get rid of. So it is quite difficult. It's a combination of, I mean, I've been quite successful in some areas by constantly digging out because I couldn't, 
apply anything because, because it was growing in amongst other things. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but you can get these gel-based products now, which have got uh, what, the Roundup total weed killer and like yeah. a glyphosate-based product in, and you can wipe that over the leaf. You use a glove, crush the leaf a bit, and then wipe it on, and that's taken down. Now, this time of the year, that's mm, a bit more difficult because plants slow. are slowing down. It needs to be in the active growing season, really. So, really, it's digging it out. I would dig out at the moment. Now, it's in wooden raised beds. She thinks it could have come in with the soil or the turf. More likely, it could have come in with the soil. But... Or it could have come in via seed as well, yeah. so it could have seeded itself. It was, I think it was used for gout, if I remember rightly. It was a herb that was used in, for gout. I don't know if it's one that was, <clears throat> I don't know if it's native to the UK or whether it's one that was somebody, some clever person brought back into the UK like they do so many. And we've got, ended up with lots of things, haven't we, that are a pest now. But actually some plant hunter thought they were a good idea at the time. Isn't that right? Yes. <laughs> uh, well, Japanese knotweed was brought back into the country, wasn't it? It was, as, um, as an ornamental. It, yeah, as a Victorian, Victorian mm. ornamental plant, wasn't it? So, in fact, you do, you know, you suffer completely with a lot of these things. So they are. Sue Hilton, there's some advice. So dig now. Take out. So you've got to take the top growth off <clears throat> and search down for those creeping, whitish creeping uh, shoot systems, the rhizomes. And we had one from... Um, about a Victoria plum tree. Now, Victoria plum tree came in from Linda. Victoria plum tree, back in the late summer, quite a big branch broke off. High wind, cut the broken bit off quickly as it was on my fence, which left about 18 inches of the branch on the tree. I see now it's quite a large split on one side of it near the main trunk. Not at the end, not at the cut end, the trunk end. Yeah? Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, what can I do to stop it getting disease over winter as it's too late to cut the rest of this <clears> branch off now? Uh, it's a horizontal branch and split. So she's, she, I know what she's thinking. She's thinking you shouldn't cut plums in as we go into autumn, should you? And why is that? Uh, because they can attract disease through bacterial cankers, silver leaf and such. You can spread that, yeah. Uh, however, we also don't seal trees anymore, do we? No, With thought, sealants. There's a, there's so what thought, are we going to do? Well, take it back as far as you can and let the plant naturally seal. I don't think there's anything much more you can do, really. Would you cut it then? You cut it now, would you? Well, I'd be inclined to. You see, I'd take a risk and cut it back. I think because it's such, it sounds like quite a large limb, it I'd does. be a bit worried. But I, I would actually, for this occasion, cut it back. But in general care of a um, stone fruit, I wouldn't be doing that. I'd be doing that in the growing season before, as the sap, well after the sap rises, but before the sap retreats. Uh, we've had a text in from Rob who says, one of my Christmas cactus has buds, so I've given it some weak tomato food. Is that okay? Yeah, it's got, it's got potassium in. It's great for flower production. It's, it's really, in fact, it's, <laughs> it shouldn't do this because I know people like to sell in their garden centres houseplant food for flowering it's plants. Good, yes. But you can use <laughs> tomato food because it does just the same thing, doesn't it? <laughs> And the, well, it's got potassium in, hasn't it? That's, that's all, all I can want. say. That's all you want. <laughs> all you need. So, Rob, you're doing just the right thing. Had a note from an email from John in Brentwood, and he says the, he has a bush with a small yellow close-petaled flowers. How close to the ground should I prune it? When and when? Now, it is Carrier Japonica. Oh, I've looked at the right, picture. Okay. So I'm telling you what we're looking at. Don't look. He's looking vague because he's thinking, what's yellow? <laughs> What's yellow and close to the ground? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's a carrier japonica. So, you know, what uh, what would you actually suggest that you do with a, a with a carrier japonica? Well, I wouldn't be pruning it at the moment. Uh, I'd be pruning it after it's finished flowering, It'll be, which will be uh, spring. And uh, what you need to do is uh, take down the old flowering stems to the ground, or to where there is a really good, well spaced vegetative shoot. That vegetative shoot is going to help you give you some better quality flowers for the following winter before you then move on to other plant thin out the plant there, there's a rule there's a sort of a guideline that for every third stem you take it out totally so what you're going to do with the carrot is take out the old flowering growth to the ground you're going to thin out the plant stand back have a look at it do not prune right <laughs> up against it's very it's very common to sort of plant prune and prune and prune all of a sudden you've got a massive hole on one side so always stand back have a look and then all the vegetative growth that's left behind reduce that by about a quarter to a third 
that encourages more basal growth and do that pruning every single year after flowering and we go back to the phones canvey island island in the sun k isn't it canvey island yes, yes. cherry uh, cherry trees we're talking yeah i've got I had two as presents. One went in the back garden. I've only got a small garden, and one went in the front. The back one is beautiful. The front one looks like it's got a disease. I've sprayed it, and it doesn't look good. I don't know what to do. Someone said, just um, trim it back, prune it back until the dead bit, you know, the nasty bit, and to a bud. But I'm terrified of um, killing it. Can you explain what it's doing? You say it seems to have a disease. What's happening to it? Is it the um, leaf? Yeah, the leaf. It doesn't look good. What t- so is the leaf going brown and dropping off? Brownie, is it, yeah, is it, brownie. Does it curl up beforehand? Is it? Um, no, no, they're just flat, but um, they don't look good. Now, when did this happen? Um, oh, I suppose about a month ago. I've been on holiday, so I can't... Oh, we can't go on holiday. No holiday. You're in Canby Island. (laughs) No. No, what we're trying to find out is when it did this, because this summer was very dry. Yeah, and some trees responded by nearly all their whole... Nearly their leaf, the whole leaf went brown, Mm -hmm. and then they curled and they dropped off. And it's a plant not coping with with such changes in climate really it was just a very very hot time it was scorching from the sun there wasn't enough water and the plant basically sheds that doesn't mean it's totally dead because what you can do is i would scrape the bark first so work from work from the outer edges scrape the bark if it's brown inside then that is dead but keep on working you don't think it is no so it's it's living. That's absolutely fine. What I wouldn't do at this time is prune it. I wouldn't prune it at all. Uh, I would prune it once it comes into leaf next year. Next and, year. Yeah. So I'd wait, wait until next year, and wait fact, and see what fact, comes. Most cherries, if you sort of wait around about April time, mid April, really? and then you could lightly trim it to where the new growth is. Yeah. All right. And also at that time, I'd feed it. I'd give it a good. Um, well, that, if it's coming to leaf, I give it a liquid feed. I actually use something like a maxi crop based product maxi with crop. with really good seaweed in it, and that will really strengthen it's the like plants. A, maxi crop's like a tonic. It's, it's like a liquid fertilizer. All right. And that would be in April. Yeah. Do that in April. So do your pruning yeah. in April. Do your feeding in April. Okay. Right. And what is it called again? Sorry. Uh, uh, maxi crop. Maxi crop. All right. your good Thank garden centres have got it. Okay. Yeah, lovely. Thank you. Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. If you missed any of the answers to the questions we gave, you can download this programme and take it with you on the BBC Sounds app. Don't forget, if you have a gardening question for us, why not give us a call on 0800 4041 and be part of the programme every Saturday morning on BBC Essex from 11. BBC Sounds. Music, radio, podcasts.